Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Got a little news for you. It's the news update on Make It Rain. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Dane. I'm Alex Fasano with your Make It Rain news update. There are no more perfect teams in the NFL Monday Night Football. The 49ers finally lose their first game of the 2019 season. The Seahawks taking them down 27-24 to in overtime. What a thriller this was. Jason Myers plays the hero and kicks a 42-yard field goal in overtime as time expires. Literally as time expires, Chase McLaughlin, the replacement for Robbie Gould for the 49ers, made his first three field goals, including one to tie the game and send it to overtime. But he shanked it with three minutes left in overtime. That could have been the game winner, uh, but it was not his day. Jason Myers gets the golden cape for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, his MVP uh, performance continues. 232 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Chris Carson had 25 carries for 89 yards and a score. DK Metcalf led the way with six catches and 70 yards. On the other side for the 49ers, Jimmy Gucci Garoppolo, 248 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Tevin Coleman had nine carries for 40 yards. Actually, the Seahawks defense held the 49ers to only 87 total rushing yards. And uh, Debo Samuel had 112 yards on eight catches. It was great uh, performance from the Seahawks. The 49ers are a run-first team, and they, uh, they stuffed them. At the line, defense on both sides of the ball actually uh, had to be commended. Both teams with five sacks, seven total turnovers in the game. Four from uh, the Seattle Seahawks and three from the 49ers. Next week, the 49ers will host the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. And the Seahawks get a nice bye week. They are now sitting at 8-2. and two, 49ers, 8-1. and one. Uh, Let's move into the NBA, guys, where... Kawhi Leonard, he met his former team. The Clippers took down the Raptors 98-88. to He faced his former team and struggled shooting. He only, uh, he only made 2 of 11. He uh, missed uh, 9 shots, but he still finished with a near triple-double. 12 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. Dane, your boy is really making his case for the 6th man of the year. Lou Williams yeah, led the buddy. team. He led the team off the bench with 21 points and 4 rebounds. I told you, s- I want to be like Lou Williams when I grow up. Hey, Lou Williams is great. And he, you said he, has, I think, he has three sixth man of the years. This could be his fourth. I mean, this is, wow. this is insane. Great for, uh, wow. great for Mr. Williams. Uh, and has anybody sport. in any sport, in any sport, ever been like a Hall of Famer because of work they do off the bench or as a pinch hitter or as like a kind of substitute? I guess it would only happen in basketball. It's probably crazy. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm not saying Lou Williams deserves to be a Hall of Famer. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> sure, sure. But what I'm saying is that that is an important role, you know. And I remember – it's probably before your time, Alex, but Joe will remember this. Remember the bad boys, the Detroit Pistons, had Vinnie Johnson, the microwave, as such a huge element of their team. You know, I, I mean, it's really important. Uh, could, big shout-out to Lou Williams. What about, like, like, a DH in MLB? Is there, like, anything yeah. that comes to mind? Not really, or – because yeah, I guess that's the next best thing to coming off the bench, but right. uh, you're probably right. It is only in basketball. Um, but we, uh, we'll move forward. Uh, the Raptors, for them, Pascal Siakam finished with a double-double of 16 points, 10 rebounds, and Fred Van Vliet, 14 points, 8 assists. They were without um They, they couldn't Lowry. rebound the ball. Montrez Harold killed them last night. It was almost 2-1 to one, 
uh, when it came to uh, both offensive and defensive boards. Montrez Harrell was – it wasn't Kawhi that beat him. <laughs> Kawhi was awful, 2 of 11 from the field, but it was – he also had nine turnovers, Kawhi Leonard. Montrez Harrell, Serge Ibaka oh, out, yes, that was back huge. Nights, though, you know, he probably needed a load management, right? You're asking Ooh. too much of him. Kawhi, no. Kawhi needs well, a... two, listen, nine turnovers, <laughs> no, that's not load management. That's just – that's terrible basketball there, but yeah, he should have said. It turned out he should have used the load management. You can't ask him to go two nights in a row, Joe. Come on, he's got that knee. <laughs> he didn't though. That it was <laughs> it was Toronto going two nights in a row. It wasn't oh, him. You're he right. You're right. Toronto had to buy the back. He is like, not. Yeah, a, he's not in Toronto like, anymore, dude. <laughs> right. It was Toronto that did the L.A. two-step. There you go. And they still kept it under. It was two eleven. I mean, and they didn't even make two hundred points to both of them. Quite, a, quite an anomaly there in L.A. Um, but congratulations to the Clippers. Guys, in the MLB, Pete Alonzo wins the National League Rookie of the Year. The New York Met got 29 of 30 possible votes. He edges out Braves Mike Soronka and Padres Fernando Tatis Jr. Obviously, we all remember Alonzo's 53 home runs broke Aaron Judge's 52 record set in 2017. He's the sixth Met to win Rookie of the Year, the first since Jacob deGrom in 2014. Guys, the Spurs, congratulations to Tony Parker. He got his number nine jersey retired uh, last night. He played 17 seasons for Antonio, the 28th overall pick back in 2001. Here's quite the resume for you. Four NBA championships with the Spurs' big three. He was the first European to win the finals MVP back in 2007. A six-time All-Star, the franchise leader in assists, and quite possibly the greatest point guard in Spurs History. Any any doubt about that, guys? Tony Parker. I mean, he's, he's one of the greatest. Uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. When you say that the big overrated. three, are you considering him, Duncan, and and Manu, Manu Ginobili, or David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, overrated, Manu. way overrated. No thinks they're overrated, but they did. Uh, they were a dynasty nonetheless. That's, uh, and Eva Longoria too. There you go. Shout out to Greg Popovich. Yeah. He handled that well. He did. <laughs> All right, gonna send it back to the guys <laughs> on Make It Rain, helping you win some cash this Tuesday morning. listening to the Sports Grid Network. Let it rain! You remember the class where I taught y'all how to make it rain? Make it rain. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. All right, here we go. Final hour. Time to grab your edge here on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Joe Ranieri. He is Dane Martinez. As we get ready, week 11 uh, will be upon us here in just about 48 hours. We'll kick it off in Cleveland, Cleveland-Pittsburgh, AFC North rivalry. That'll start our Week 11 in the NFL. But first, of course, tonight, Week 12 in the college football arena with a couple of MAC action games, which is always fun. Uh, 6 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. is when you're going to have the kickoffs here, guys. So no, uh, no sort of late-night football or uh, Pac-12 after dark. But what you will have is to get those damn bets in early. So if you're going to suck it up, and you're going to back Akron at 17 points here, uh, then do it early because I do think the game, uh, the late game, though, at 630, the Western Michigan, Ohio, these two teams can actually, they're much more representative of what Mac football is going to be. But again, if you're expecting to see defense, not a game that you're going to, uh, you're going to be like, wow, this is a showcase of two. T-. Yeah, they both uh, score about 35 points a game, Dane, but they also give up about 30 points a game. So <laughs> this could very well be down whoever has the ball last and, want, you know, the first one to 60 wins. Uh, that's exactly what you're going to have here tonight in these matchups. 
but it's still Tuesday night football, man. I mean, have you, have you, you know, Tuesday night, remember Tuesday nights just a month or so ago, Dane, where it was like, all right, is there a playoff game? Is there a baseball playoff right. game on? Right. We got to wait now. Well, right. football tonight, there's going to be football tomorrow. And then of course, Thursday and We'll take a look at some of these look-ahead lines here for week 11 of the NFL because, like we mentioned earlier, if you're just joining us, some of these numbers, Dane, are just – the books are basically telling you they have no idea. Right. And judging from what the numbers are from through 10 weeks, guys, it's underdogs all day. And when you break it down from there, road underdogs, again with Seattle last night getting the win, another road underdog cashes just adding to the profitability of what has been a crazy 10 weeks in the NFL. So a lot of these games start Thursday, Dane. The right, numbers are very let's telling. Yep, let's we're put a parlay card together. Needle in the haystacks. We're going to go ahead and try to figure out which ones we like the best. We'll do that coming up. Make it rain. The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash dunk to learn more. Give you the edge here on sportsgrid.com as we take a look at some of these early lines here, Dane. Some uh, maybe some plays, maybe some games that you might want to take a look at early because the lines on a lot of these games are just a bit head scratching here, especially given what we know about the underdog trend. I don't even know it's a trend anymore. It's just it's a reality of the situation, Dane, where. We are getting a lot of undervalued dogs here that seem to be coming through, not only covering, but in most cases, just flat out winning on the money line, which is crazy. And I I think it really starts with Cleveland and and Thursday night where you've got Cleveland at home taking on a Steelers team coming off a victory at home. Um, And I'm trying to figure out it opened up at about two and a half. It looks like that's what it's it's still hovering around. Yep. Which, you know, to your point, I guess, on a neutral field, Dane, what are we looking at? That Pittsburgh's the better team? Is is that well, ultimately half, what we're looking right? at? Generally, right? they give the home team three points, right? Unless right. that's changed for Thursday night football or something like that. But that would then mean that they think Pittsburgh is, you know, half a point better on a neutral field. And I I don't really find issue with that, Joe. No, I see, I, to me, I think... I think Pittsburgh is one of these teams that's now overrated. I, I think huh. that I, I think that there's been so much love thrown their way because of them being able to rattle off the victories that they have that I think maybe we're get we're bordering on that, you know, now they're at the point where they're gonna be everybody's darling and I think buy low, sell high. I think this might be the moment where we gotta look at Pittsburgh and go, guys, wait a minute. You know, Cleveland's healthier. Number one, um, the addition 
and I couldn't believe Kareem Hunt was as involved as he was in the first game here. But now that Kareem Hunt-Chubb uh, double duo, if, and I think we'd all agree on this, if Freddie Kitchens would have been more committed to the uh, to the run through the first eight games, we'd probably be having a different conversation about Cleveland to this point. And I do think, listen, the Steelers' defense is good, guys, but it's, uh, you know, let's not get crazy. You're going to still need the offense to be able to put points on the board. I don't know that they're going to be able to put points on the board, given what we know about these two teams. I think it's way overvalued. I think the fact that you can get it under a field goal at this point, Dane, I would hop on Cleveland at two and a half in a heartbeat before it gets to three. That's interesting. I don't know if I see it the same way. What I would ask you is you talk about how Pittsburgh is now like everyone's darling. Really? I mean, I don't know that I like, you know, they beat the Rams at home by five points. They beat the Colts at home against the third string quarterback by two points. They beat, you know, the Dolphins on a Monday night football after being down. Like those are their last three games since the bye. Like, I don't know that but that what, makes what, me no, think no, that they're what the lines? Forget about who they played. What were the lines? The last two you just mentioned, they yeah. were underdogs at home. Yeah, They were underdogs at home. So, you know, and the reality is they won those games. They probably should have been favored a little bit more than well, what they were. Undervalued, not overvalued. That's, but, but that's what I'm saying. We're at that point now where it's going to switch, where we are going to start giving them more credit than I think they deserve because of the fact that they've managed to put four wins together like that. I, two and a half to me, this should be Cleveland. To me, should be closer to four, four and a half Cleveland at home in this matchup. That's interesting. I mean, what about, let's take that exact same narrative, Joe, and flip it for Cleveland, right? Are they now at a point where they're underrated because the hate's gone too far on Freddie Kitchens and they bounce back with a, you know, a, a tough win, let's say, against Buffalo? Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I do. Right. I, I really do. Okay. Yeah, I, I really, really do. I think that it, it was a good win against Buffalo. I mean, you know, and yeah. Buffalo contributed to that. But to me, this is all about matchups. And the matchup of this game, to have it less than a field goal at home, I think we're starting to see that overvaluing, that that going from undervalued home dog, the underdog to maybe we're giving the Steelers a little bit too much credit here with Mason Rudolph, who, let's face it, it's he's a rookie, guys. I mean, for the most, what has Mason Rudolph done to go, you know what, if they get into a shootout, given weapon for weapon, who's going to win this shootout? Mason Rudolph? No, I, I hear you. I just think that there's been improvements to the Pittsburgh defense, which would prevent yeah, oh, it from being a shootout. A, I, at Exhibit A, Minka Fitzpatrick. I, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I think I I give you that, you know, maybe Cleveland is starting to find itself. I do agree that Kareem Hunt helps that offense. I also mm. agree with you that if – Cleveland is going to win like you say it'll be a lot of Nick Chubb and it'll be a lot of usage of Kareem Hunt I think that's the way instead of Baker being trusted to test this Pittsburgh secondary right, right. but I I don't know it feels to me Joe and I'm not like getting on you but it feels to me like two three weeks ago we were like fire Freddie Kitchens this is a dumpster fire and now mm -hmm. it seems like you're warming to them overall in a way that I'm just not ready to fully warm up to them yet
I, again, it's not warming up to Cleveland. I, it, long-term viability of Freddie Kitchens as a head coach, I think not, nothing's changed. Nothing he does this year is going to change that fact. He's not okay. going to snap his fingers and become a, you know, become Bill Belichick. The reality okay. is, though, this matchup at home at this point in the season against a streaking Steelers team who, by the way, the public is all over. That's why it's a two-and-a-half, because the public right. is hammering Pittsburgh, which – I get it. Streaking team, won four games. Oh, my God, they're so good. They've been coming a lot. I get it. But to me, that's exactly the point that you buy low, sell high on the Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, this is when you go the other way against Mason Rudolph and company, because if it comes down to it, listen, we watched for all his faults. We did watch Baker Mayfield under two minutes, drive his team down, score a touchdown, win the game. Are we going to get that from Mason Rudolph uh, on the road? I don't know. We'll see. Does a potentially returning James Conner change the equation for you at all? To me, you're going to have to throw the ball at some point. And I think that's Mm -hmm. going to be the difference, you know. And and what are you going to do? Because, again, if you're – that whole Kareem Hunt thing is very interesting to me because of Nick Chubb's going to be your running back. Kareem Hunt's going to be a guy catching passes out of the backfield, which appears to be what he's doing. That's a whole different. Le- then you still got Landry and Odell. It's yeah. like, how do you how do you defensively prepare for the Cleveland Browns? Is my question. No, because who you. do you stop? That's what I was telling you before, right? I told you Kareem Hunt will wind up taking that uh, Dontrell Hilliard role, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much what happened because Chubb still got 20 carries. Okay, yeah. Hunt just got only got four, but Hunt was obviously active in the passing game, seven receptions, and that is right. going to be his role. Um, I. I'm just, and the I, books I, are telling you, Dane, it's two games in a row now. They have a, they are the worst record and they're favorites at home. So the book is telling you, don't stick a fork in the Browns yet, guys. That's why they're favorite here. But I get why the public loves Pittsburgh. They've won four games. They got the better, of course, the same reason they loved the Buffalo Bills. I just don't know that. I don't know that that's going to be the case this yeah. uh, this Thursday. But again, that goes back to the whole. What are the books trying to tell you here? What are the books trying to tell you with the Patriots and Eagles? You know, the Patriots and Eagles, what are they now? What is the Patriots? A three and a half point road favorite? Three and a half. Coming yeah. off three and a half, coming off a bye week. And has there anybody been more profitable against the spread coming off a bye week than what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick yeah. have been? Eagles coming off a bye what? also. Uh, that's, uh, that's also very interesting, too. I Eagles think this game is. Are Remember the Eagles, I told you about the Eagles this. be a, a home dog? I don't know. I kind of like Philly in this one. I really do. I'm like New England, we've said this. New England will step up in class in terms of their opposition. I've been saying this for about a month that the schedule gets harder. And I've thrown mm-hmm. this out a number of times, Joe, that the Patriots are facing teams that are coming off their own by a lot. It happened with Baltimore. It happened with Cleveland. It didn't matter. It happens here with Philly. I think it happens later on in the season with the Houston Texans as well. Or like yeah. off a mini buy. You can't just think San Francisco and New England are going to win all their games, right? So, hey, or win some close ones on the road against a team that needs it to win a division. We'll talk more about it, but it's a weird spot. We'll give you the numbers from a historical standpoint. We'll we'll break it down. Coming up next, Mega Rain. 
NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Uh, I hit the send on Akron getting 17 and a half. I think I'm uh, I just I'm feeling a bit nauseous here tonight. And, it went uh, up 17 and a half, though, huh? Yeah, I got it at 17 and a half. So it's Why that half, half a point, point that pushed me over the edge, man. That half <laughs> a point did it for me. Oh, I'm going to okay. throw up oh, watching this game tonight. The only good news is apparently it's supposed to be a blizzard. So maybe that'll help. Uh, that'll help slow down the scoring for both of these uh, teams. I'm I'm hoping. Well. You know, when you snow, you probably also think of cold. And when you think of cold, you probably think of hockey, NHL, nine games tonight. And if you are somebody who would like to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season, then join DailyRoto.com. You can learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. You can get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the DailyRoto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you're playing Daily Fantasy Hockey without using Daily Roto, well, as you're doing it wrong, just enter the promo code ACTION right now. Get a 10% discount. That promo code ACTION gets you a 10% discount. And DailyRoto.com, it is where millionaires are made. And, of course, want to remind you guys, you can find us on YouTube at SportsGrid Network. All the fantasy sports wagering all the time you need. Also on Instagram at SportsGrid Network. TV and he is Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. As we take a look at some of these uh, some of these look ahead lines for the NFL Week 11, and one of the yep. most interesting games on the board, Dane and I are trying to break down here is this New England coming off a bye, heading to Philadelphia, and being a three and a half point favorite, Dane. And you know the public the last time they saw New England, they were getting run over and trucked by yeah. the Baltimore Ravens, right? So. The last thing we remember about Philadelphia was what? Beating the Bills? Like, so. Or the Bears? Was the Bears game or the after Bears, the Bears? Bears, Riley. Yeah, they, you know, running all over the Bears. Listen, so they've run all over their last two opponents, okay? Time. They've discovered yes. Jordan Howard recently. Yep. Yep. So what do you do here? Three and a half points. Do you go, it's the same old, same old, it's Belichick and Brady, or are you out of that mindset going, this is not the same old, same old New England Patriots? Yeah, I'll tell you my thought process. I like Philly in this game. I I really do. I think it's a good spot for Philly. I like them at home. I, they know the pressure's on vis-a-vis the Cowboys. They have a bye. I think they could fight, figure some things out. Uh, you know, Peterson maybe scheme some stuff up. I like Philly. However, I realize that generally speaking, you do not make money betting against the New England Patriots. I understand that. So ultimately, Joe, I lean Philly, but this is, you know, I'll look for other places on the card, to be quite honest. The um, here's the numbers from a historical standpoint, guys, since 2003 road favorites coming off a bye. The next game, of course, on the road as a favorite, 64, 34 and two, 65 percent against the spread. 
So that's a pretty profitable system right there. When you factor in the Tom Brady, Tom Brady in this very spot, six and one against the number on the road as a favorite after the buy. So uh, it also, by the way, this is even crazier. If the opponent that they're going to face is also coming off a buy, they're eight and three against the number, which of course is the case here with Philly. How much do you believe in Phillies making that, turning that uh, that corner, getting a little healthier? How much do you buy into, you know, Philly being able to contend and match up with the AFC? You know, how exposed did New England get, you think, in that Baltimore game? I don't know that, like, it's about, exposed may be kind of a too big of a, too strong of a word, Joe, for me. Like, we always said, that they were playing cupcakes. They got their 170-point differential, whatever it is. We knew they got it against the bottom tier of the NFL. I think it is natural for in the second half when they have a better schedule, like – I can, they're gonna fit like they're gonna finish thirteen and three, Joe, and that's gonna yeah. be great. It's gonna be the one seed. You know what that means? They're gonna lose two more games. And if I gotta find spots on their schedule where they could lose on the road against a playoff contender, is a viable answer. You know what I mean? Like they're not going sixteen and one. Teams are not going zero and sixteen, although the Bengals might. But you know, we if we take a step back. You always got to say, like, hey, San Francisco wasn't going to go undefeated, so where are their losses, right? Against the division MVP, maybe one of them. I don't think the Pats are going 15-1, and one, okay? I think there's two, maybe three losses still on their schedule, and this is a viable one for that loss. It's just so unique from the standpoint of I do think that – I mean, first of all, Baltimore is not all world beaters and they beat down the New England Patriots because of the deficiencies that the New England Patriots have, but haven't had a they hadn't played anybody to be able right. to expose them. Listen, Philadelphia is a damn good team. I mean, it's filled with guys that also have rings and they also have a head coach, Doug Peterson, that's had some success, you know, playing the wild card and and doing things a little bit unorthodox. So, you know, it's an interesting matchup from the standpoint is I can't wait to see week 11 where these two teams are coming off a of bye and what they regrouped and what direction they're heading. Because there is, let's face it, there's some dudes in that locker room still at Philadelphia. You know, they're ready to they're ready to go and turn a corner. And yeah. if they can, can they run? And can New England actually win a shootout? Dane, that's my big thing. I don't know that they have the weapons on offense to do it. That's my that's my biggest problem with New England. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm with you 100 percent, Joe. I'm just saying exposed is too big of a word. OK, all I'm saying is it's almost it's natural when a good team starts to go right. up against other good teams. They're not going to be undefeated. They're going to lose one or two. I just don't think that means they're exposed. You know, I think it's possible that they just get beat by a couple of good teams coming up here. You look at this schedule, right? Philly quality team in the playoff race, at least Dallas in the playoff race, at least at Houston in the playoff race, Kansas city in the playoff race. They still got a game against Buffalo in the playoff race. Out of those five games, you think they're going to run the table? I don't. Well, that's my point. Then they are not what they were made out to be through the first seven weeks of the season where they went undefeated and a defense was running over. So when I say exposed, I mean, I don't think they are. I, you know, are the 
they might not even, to me, be an 11-win team because of that schedule coming up, which is brutal in the second half. Yeah. They, the first good team that they met, they got destroyed. They're about to figure. Uh, they're about to meet another. If they lose this one and then can't, like, then they can't beat good team. They're one of those. Are they anything more than a nine and seven, ten and you know, right. ten and six type of team? I mean, that's to me is then you're middle of the road. You are not defending Super Bowl. You know, you're not that team oh, that everyone. You made them out that's to seem. extreme, Joe. That's if they lose all of these gauntlet, right? I think, ultimately, you ask me what happens, I think they wind up 13-3, and three, all right? Really? Maybe they get upended at Philly. Maybe they lose one more, say, at Houston when Houston had a right. mini-buy. They get through Dallas. They get through a big win in Kansas City. But then can you really say a team is exposed if they wind up 13-3 and three and their only losses were against other good teams and a lot of them on the road? I don't. I just think exposed is too strong. It's like Denny Green says, "You are what you. What we are who they thought they were. That's a right. twelve and four, thirteen and three. That's a really good team. I think what it is is maybe we were just realistic the entire time, and we never hyped them up on the front end when they were running through cupcakes. We didn't think that they were going to go sixteen and zero, Joe. So for us, maybe it wasn't exposed because we didn't have these inflated expectations from the beginning. Well, we got to see what happens when they actually, and that's yet to happen this year. What happens when they got to match a team to go point for point, you know, yeah. or do they have the weapons to go right. against a Mahomes or a Carson Wentz or Watson. can they do it? We, we know they can win out the grind out kind of game. We know they can win that out, but can they, hey, they play from behind? Yeah. They couldn't can keep they, up with Lamar. No, that's my point. Like, can they play yep. from behind if a team gets out there? And that to me that's what scares me about the Patriots. And listen, they've always got Tom Brady. They'll be good. But can they come back from 14 points down in the second half? They're like, we haven't seen it yet this year. And hell, they're still trying to convince Gronkowski to come back before the end of the month. I mean, so I don't know that they even believe that they are that kind of team anymore. But it starts as a three and a half point favorite this Sunday, uh, four o'clock there, part of that four o'clock slate. Another one, too, is this uh, the Vikings are, what are they, laying double digits against the Broncos? That's you know, here we go again. Now, are the Vikings getting overvalued here? Again, Broncos coming off a bye. The Vikings coming off a big win as an underdog on the road. And now, well, now they're what? Double digit favorites over a Broncos team that, let's face it, I, I, over, I don't want to say overachieving, but I don't think that we I don't think we expected what we saw from the Broncos either. Yeah, that's fair. I'll say it. They are overachieving. <laughs> you know, right. they are overachieving. They, they absolutely are. I don't know if it's going to be Brandon Allen or Drew Locke. Here's what I will say. And I know that, you know, Cleveland, you know, who knows what how we talk about them, whether you're warming to them, they're turning a corner, whatever. Right. But. I think on the road at Minnesota is a much different defensive different task animal, right. than right. a home game. You know, well, what have we said about Minnesota? You know, at home, they're a lot better, especially defensively. With unfamiliar, like, non-conference games, right, they're a lot better. I know this is a big number, but I believe Minnesota is actually one of the teams that is getting better throughout the season. One of those teams that can win in multiple ways, like we mm -hmm. thought about San Francisco before Kittle and Manny Sanders went down in their passing game. And maybe they even get Adam Thielen back, it's possible. I think Minnesota is rounding into form. And 
and uh, I'd be comfortable. I could see them boat racing Denver. I might. I'd be comfortable to lay this big number, Joe. Well, you know what it is. Uh, it's the exact same argument we heard about the uh, Washington Redskins when they came to Minnesota too. And you know what? They barely escaped that game there, and Washington gave them all they could handle. So that was a different Minnesota team. They were in that weird time where well, the Diggs wanted to trade. This defense, ain't, defense, this defense the ain't the Washington Redskins defense either. So that's it's a different. Yeah, it's it's different on both sides. But again, laying double digits. A lot of points. Ugh. A lot of points. Still Kirk Cousins, guys. He could explode any minute. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. you find us on uh, youtube sports grid network you can get all your fantasy and sports wagering advice all the time also on instagram at sports grid uh, tv i'm joe ranieri is dane martinez it is make it rain and a couple of these games that uh that we're taking a look at here coming up week 11 in the nfl uh, pose some very interesting questions about teams in week 11 and we talked about the upcoming Thursday night game. And, of course, the uh, what do you do with New England and Philadelphia coming off a bye? Can we trust Minnesota uh, as a double-digit favorite uh, this time, of course, welcoming in the Denver Broncos coming in off a bye at home? We did against Washington, and, of course, that game was do or die, so they didn't cover the double digits there. Can they do it against Denver? And what do you do now that Chicago has won a football game? Now they're on the road in L.A. this week, taking on a Rams team that just lost, by the way, another starting offensive lineman. Their center is gone. Um, a team that is reeling. Questions around Goff. Questions around Trubisky. You know, who do you trust more in this game, Dan? And should they be laying seven points against anybody? That's the big question. And I, I just got to believe right at home. Yeah, what I mean, what unit on that field do you trust the most? The Rams defense. You trust the Rams more than you trust the Chicago defense? Yeah. Uh I'll trust I'll trust when in doubt, I'll go with Aaron Donald. <laughs> um yeah, I don't, and you know. Jalen Ramsey as well. Like, listen, Jalen Ramsey probably can effectively take Allen Robinson away, right? Like mm -hmm. I just you know, even though the Rams are struggling on offense. The offensive line, the usage of guys like Gurley and Cup are in question right now. They do have more, right? They have more, even if I, even if I acknowledge that Joff, that Goff is not it right now. If I acknowledge that Trubisky isn't it, like where are they getting it from against this Rams defense? It's also the Rams team at home. Now I get you. I'm not. I don't want. I'm not confident backing either one of these teams. And to be quite honest, Joe, that's our poll question today on Twitter, mm -hmm. right? Like, do you have more confidence backing strong teams or fading teams you think should lose? That's, you know, like that's that's one of our questions right now. And this would be me 
these are the two teams, Joe, that we were fading the most going into the season. We were both right. saying we are against the Rams, against the Bears. It's come to pass with Trubisky. It's come to pass with Goff and Gurley. And so, I, you know, I don't want to bet this game. If you ask me that I had to, um, I think Chicago is more of a dumpster fire, and I'll trust the home team to bounce back a little bit more. It's interesting from the standpoint, Dan, that one of our biggest arguments in the beginning of the year for both of these teams was Chicago had every break go their way last year. Last year. They were 12 and five against the number last year, guys, right? And this year, they're three and six. Now, the same thing for the Rams. The Rams this year, they were nine and nine last year, nine, nine and one last year against the number. They started off the year getting every break going their way. They're six and three yeah. against the number. And the one thing we know, Dane, for sure, is that in, in a long-ass season, right, 17 weeks plus playoffs, we know this to be a fact. Everything comes back to the middle, right? If you're that. one extreme or the other, eventually, usually by the time the year is ending, you are going to be somewhere in the middle. And right now, the Rams are all the way to the left and the, and the Bears all the way to the right. Something's got to give. I don't know that the Bears win this game, but I think – Giving me seven points with that defense and knowing what we know about the injuries on that offensive line going up against, I mean, Aaron Donald's a beast, but Khalil Mack and company with a key yeah. mix pack. You give me the seven points. I don't like it less than seven, but if I can get a touchdown, I'll take the Bears in this spot, knowing it's all going to even itself out before the end. Like, they're not going to go 12 and five, the Rams, and, and neither are. The Bears against the number. There's got to be some regression, both positive and negative, with both of these teams. Yeah, and so it's six and a half I'm looking at now at FanDuel. And it sounds right, like so you say you down. like it at under a touchdown, though, right? Yeah, I like it at so seven you, or more. I don't like it under that. So you like the Rams at six and a half? Uh, yes, I but like if the Rams it's seven at six or more, and a half. You'll take I like the Chicago at seven. Yep. Right, okay. So, that, so you got to watch that, is, uh, which way that moves throughout. Right. Because, you know, there yep. is, diff um, at least on FanDuel, you got minus 120 and plus uh, and minus, 100, uh, minus 105 as the juice. You got minus 120 yep. on the Rams, minus 6.5. So that minus might move to 7, the exact yep. place you no longer like it. But here's the yep. thing, Joe. I started off on this game being like, eh, I don't want to back either one of these teams. That's why I brought up the right. poll question, right? When I asked you, and I love you, Joe, but the main thing you go to is like, luck average has to regress to the mean for both teams like that's you know i mean it's not the strongest lean you have either right with these two kind of teams so uh, on some level we can't figure out why these guys are dumpster fires so it's not like you feel strongly about backing them right well i, I do again I, I, back to the point i don't care who's playing i care about the number and yeah. the reason i care about that seven is because I know since 2005, once you get to week 10 and beyond, yeah, using that system right there of understanding things are going to regress back to the middle, yeah, it's profited a 20% return since 2005. So there is definitely, it's not the end-all be-all, but yeah, the numbers and the data show that it doesn't really make a difference. If I have a 3-6 and six team versus a 6-3 and three team against the number, both of those teams are going to end up somewhere in the middle. It happens all the time. And right now, no offensive line with Jared Goff going blah, 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 uh, losing on the road. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all right. I, I'll take my chances with at least the touchdown. I think they can 
should be able to cover that. If Chicago didn't have the defense they do going up against a busted, broken uh, offensive line, eh, this would be a tough game one way or the other to go for. But yeah. given the two strengths, I'll take a touchdown because you and I, I, I think, will agree this is probably a field goal game. No? Listen, I mean, the, the total's 41 right now, and we say it all the time. How do you get more than a touchdown working margin in a game that's expected to be only 40 points, right? They're telling you they think this game is 23-17. You know what I mean? So I, mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you. I have an honest question for you. When you say regressing to the mean, do you mean like just their record against the spread or certain things like turnovers or regress to the mean. And then that's a factor of why you're capping it that way. Or is it just straight like that? The number ATS against the spread records, just against ATS records. When you're looking at ATS records since 2003 or 2005, I think it was. Yes, that's exactly what you get. You get a situation where, um, when it's going so well for one team at some point during that sit, you know, 17, it's coming back the other way. And it started out that way with the Rams. They were they were covering machines. Remember, that was the argument early on. While the Rams are going back, the whole Super Bowl hangover is not real. They started off 3-0. and But they got everything to go their way early on in the season. And now all of a sudden, not so much. And the, the offensive line to me is a killer for them. Because yeah. without that, eh, and you don't have a running game. Uh, I hear you. So who are the teams that are the best ATS right now? Like, you know, which teams are, you know, like 8-1 and one ATS because it would stand to reason that we should fade them for the rest of the yeah. season, right? Uh, and it's got to be something that you consider based upon the matchup. See, right here you have two teams in opposite directions. Like mm-hmm. this Bears-Rams game, you got one team that right, didn't it works get both ways going with their way. Yeah. Right, and now – so at some point, that's when you look at it go, seven points? You want to give – are they really seven points better? I don't not in current form. They're not. But like you said, 26 to 23, 17, Vegas is telling you it could very well be, you know, a five, six point game there. Uh, yeah. Give me the seven. I'm comfortable with seven. I'm not comfortable with six and a half. I probably wouldn't play it unless it was seven. But keep in mind, the Rams are public darlings. Look at what they I mean, four and a half point favorites on the road. Darlings. Are they still they are. public darlings? You don't think yes. now start because I've been in like the mainstream media, Joe, this week. It's been like, oh, and now are the Rams even on there on the outside looking in? It's like they're starting to realize there are, like you said before, these like yep. five or six other teams in the NFC that are really a step ahead of them. So I, you know, in the same way, like we talk about the Browns and some other teams. Mm-hmm. Are the Rams still public darlings, or is, are people starting to realize that there's chinks in the armor? Not at home, no, because we're already right. starting to see the – look at you said. What is the juice right now? The, that's going to seven. You know why it's going to seven? Because the public loves the what? Rams at home. They can't be this bad. They're uh, – okay, you know, uh, let's, let's see how that works out because – you got no Haverstein. You've got no Brian Allen now. You've got a yep. makeshift offensive line. And by the way, I think Cooks really hurts this team more than people think. Not having him to stretch in the field there, uh, not good. I don't think that's good at all. And how much time is he going to have with a broken offensive line to sit back and pick him apart offensively from the pocket? That's the other. Yeah. Like this is that's a game why. made for that front of the Chicago Bears. Yeah. That's why I was so surprised that Cooper Cup went without a catch 
last week. Right? Exactly. You're right. You know, they all have their roles in the offense. And you're right. Cook is the down the field guy that needs time for players to develop. Cup is supposed to be the opposite, right? Cup is supposed to be the in between, the, the slot guy, the the underneath guy, the guy, the hot read guy. So it was so weird to me that he took a bagel uh, against Pittsburgh. But isn't that the truth? Isn't that always been the criticism of system guys like that, right? Like you have certain parts that got to fit into that system, and then when you pull away one, but they're not interchangeable, so to speak, oh, right? Because yeah, there's yeah, yeah. no real like. How does he go? How does he get a bagel in that game? Like they're I good, they're know. not great. The Pittsburgh I don't defense. Know. And trust me, I, I I just sneaked through and got a fantasy win with Cooper Cup getting zero right. for me. Yeah. But you know, and that's why I call it, you know, Joe, and back to fantasy. I call it the fantasy herd. You know, you mm-hmm. never know which guy on a team like the Rams is gonna have a week and who's not. The Eagles are similar, right? You never know which skill player is gonna right. go off for the Eagles on any right. given week. You would say the yep. same thing about New England, you know, and some other teams. Sometimes you just don't know. Those are the teams that at its best, and the Rams aren't this right now, but at its best, that's where the quarterback just looks and sees, let, lets the matchup dictate where the ball is going. These great right. veteran quarterbacks, Breeze, Brady, they can get up there, read the mail, and find the mismatch. Um, yep. That's what these teams usually are like, but maybe it's different when you take a piece away. They become a little bit easier to defend. Well, you know, and then it really comes back to, and that's the amazing thing about Brady for all those years, right? Mix and matching all the parts around him, and he still manages. The quarterback makes the receiver, right? Well, the problem is, look at the quarterbacks we're talking about here, right? We're talking about Carson Wentz in situations that, you know, if he's got faults. He's not uh, He's not in that caddy. He's not Nick Foles. <laughs> and uh, you're also talking about, of course, uh, Jared Goff, who, listen, when he had all of the pieces, it was, you know, everything was great, but we're seeing what happens now. Girlie's not girly anymore, and all of a sudden— Chargers are another option. They're another kind of fantasy herd team. Exactly it. So, like, now all of a sudden it's like, what do we do? Everything was mm-hmm. great. Didn't they lose Cup in, last year, too? Didn't they— uh, they did. Right around the same time, Gurley started having those knee problems in the back half. That's and it when started Cup, to fall apart. That's right. right. It mean, wasn't only the Todd Gurley— Cup is yep. a huge part of this I offense. He's the security blanket. They're roommates, yep. I think, Cup and Goff, in, like, yep. preseason camp, okay? Yep. And Cup has been performing as, like, up until last week, literally a top-five wide receiver. That was a big that was a big head-scratcher for the fantasy community. Big time, man. And I think it all goes back to that Cook stretching the field. Uh, maybe he's the bigger matchup nightmare for people. You know what I mean? It's like talk about Deshaun Jackson with impact for the Philly offense. Will Fuller for the Texans yep. offense. Sometimes yep. what they do for the real team is more important than fantasy. That's Not what Josh Wooden made for the Seattle offense. I agree. Yep. Good stuff. All right, morning after next, we'll break down the Akron tomorrow for you. Help us all. Give me the 17 and a half points, damn it. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. What you missed on Make It Rain. 
I kind of look at it, Joe, like it was a kind of like it was a good game with two good teams playing. You know, yeah, there were some mistakes, but I think a lot of these mistakes were forced by the opposition. And honestly, Joe, this NFC, I think this NFC now has a number of legit contenders if you look at it like the nfc playoff race you go four five maybe even six teams with people that you're like oh yeah they i could see them actually taking down the nfc meanwhile in the afc in my opinion it's you know new england and then can three of these young upstart quarterbacks upset the apple cart like will lamar do it will mahomes do it will watson do it that's the only chance right one of those three superhumans to knock off new england but in the nfc you got seattle and san francisco i think you got two three four other teams that can be in a kind of knockdown drag out fun game with these two Turnovers kill me, and there's yeah. no excuse for turnovers. I don't care who you're – you played 85 Bears. The one thing that every football player is taught is hold on to the damn football. There's no reason to be getting the ball pulled out in the end zone. There's no reason, and he doesn't ever do it, which was what was so mind-blowing. The fact that he threw a red zone interception in yeah. overtime into double coverage was beyond yeah. me that he even bothered to throw that ball. I'm shocked that he did, to tell you the truth. He didn't uh, see the line and he was able to recover, but... You know, it's those kinds of mental mistakes in a game like last night where get them out now because that kind of crap in the playoffs, that's the difference between going home early or continuing to battle through and try to make yourself a, a Super Bowl champion. But, you know, seasons aren't won or lost in week 10 of an NFL season, and these two teams are going to be fine. They will meet again. But, yeah, there's got to be some uh, cleanup on both sides of the ball. And both teams got to get a little healthier. And by the way, congratulations on picking up. Nobody else wanted Josh Gordon. Well, mm -hmm. it's a good damn thing they got him because Tyler Lockett spent the night in a hospital as he was rushed there in the fourth quarter because of a serious leg contusion. He wasn't even in that game at the end. And thank goodness they had yeah. another, wow, look at that, Josh Gordon to go to instead of Tyler Lockett, who... Uh, they were obviously pretty worried about his leg injury there because they rushed his ass to the hospital during the game. So uh, they had no word on whether he's still there or not, last I saw. But, again, you make a move here in the NFL and a move that almost, you never get a Josh Gordon available in week nine. And then you pick yep. him up after 25 other teams, you know, passed on him. And voila, in the overtime, in the fourth quarter in overtime, he's there for you. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about this year.